town with the great football team. We cheer the Pittsburgh Steelers. Welcome to the Sports Marketing Huddle. I'm your host, Rob Cressy, founder of Bacon Sports. And joining me today is Craig Amazine, CEO and founder of Defend. Craig, great to have you on the show. Spectacular to be here, Rob. The energy is already flowing. I love it. Let's go. And this is a long time coming. And on this episode, we're going to jam about how our relationship started. We're going to talk about this amazing sports technology and fan engagement platform that you have called Defend. But let's start with this. Can you give a quick overview on who you are and what you do? Yeah, that's it. You know, always the hardest question, right? Ask somebody about themselves and they have to, you know, dive deep. You know, for me, I am, uh, I'm a sports fan at heart, uh, always have been, always will be. Um, and, and for me, being able to carve out a really substantial and rewarding career in sports, uh, primarily starting through uh, radio and television production, and then evolving into a senior executive with some professional sports teams like the Arizona Cardinals and then the Sacramento Kings. And then taking that to sports media company where um, I headed up a sale of a company called Scout Media to CBS. Um, and then taking all of that knowledge and becoming a founder on something that I was incredibly passionate about uh, has given me just, like I said, a rewarding uh, career, a rewarding life and a lot of expertise in how fandom evolves, how fandom is engaged and, and immersive, and, and on top of it, how fandom can be commercialized in a way that's positive for whether it's a band, a brand, a team, an athlete, an influencer, and their fans themselves. And that's really what brings us all into kind of a culmination of a career to build my own platform, my own company uh, that hinges on that. So. That's, a, that's in a nutshell, I think, as best as I can do. I love it. And let's start with how you and I even met in the first place, because so often when people come on podcasts, they're like, well, how did these people meet? Were they introduced from a PR agency or whatever? You and I have a relationship that spans years that started with an introduction from a friend of yours who uh, became a mutual connection of mine. And slowly but surely, there was an initial uh, potential opportunity for you and I to work together on the sports content side of things. It didn't end up working. But one thing that was extremely pivotal was we had the opportunity to meet in person in Chicago. Um, you and Paige Demacos were in town and yep. I built relationship with uh, Paige at the time and yep. I'd never met you and I didn't know anybody else at your table. And from that, we just continued to stay in touch. Hey, what do you got going on? Every month or three months or six months, we would just check in because I always respected your background and your mindset. We both see the world digitally very similar. We see the fan engagement landscape very similar. We're both absolute sports fanatics. And for me in business and in life, I'm looking to find people to work with and build relationship with that get down like we get down. So yeah. let me throw that to you in terms of how you saw the beginning of our relationship. Yeah. So uh, one of the, one of my co-founders kind of a silent uh, um, founder on my, on my, in my company, his son-in-law uh, it's kind of a family affair for, for him. And he's a Chicago based guy and his son-in-law also Chicago based uh, in, in conversations said, you need to have a conversation with this guy at Bacon Sports. And so I dove in and obviously it's as memorable a name. So instantly I went, okay, guy knows branding, right? Instantly. And then in our conversations, it was even before the company was founded, it was actually um, uh, FanRag Sports. I was consulting for them and took on an interim CEO role to help them sell their company. And, and in that process, I was looking for really next level engagement around community architecture from content creators and sports who could drive um, really powerful conversations around specific verticals, primarily fantasy football and the advent. This is now a couple of years ago or maybe even three years ago. I'd have to go back. But sports betting, which was emerging into the landscape. And I wanted to at least start to position FanRag, which became FRS Sports, as a leader in that space. You came up, what you were doing and your understanding of where 
the trajectory of sports betting was going and how fantasy football engaged people on a really deep level um, was really what I was trying to figure out. Is there a way to bring Rob Cressy and Bacon Sports into the FanRag Sports family? And that's where Paige, Paige was in essence a right-hand person uh, at FanRag. And her and I and Jamie Eisner, who was the editor-in-chief, the three of us were all big fans of yours and Bacon Sports. And we were trying to figure that out. Take that a little bit further. And Paige and I were in Chicago. And I believe in shared experiences um, as much as possible. So if there is an opportunity to uh, ideally do something together, whether it is to meet for happy hour like we did or to go to a game together or to play around a golf or go on a hike, that to me has greater value than an email back and forth exchange. Now, sometimes emails and digital is, is needed, especially these days, but those shared experiences matter. So I remember we invited yourself, uh, a former boss of mine who is the head of the uh, Big Ten Network uh, came out, met up with us. Uh, Paige had a couple of uh, uh, business friends, colleagues, network people to come in. And we had a great time. And, and that added that layer of like, okay, face-to-face, we're cool, right? And now, now, ever since then, while things didn't work out as far as bringing you into FanRag and, and FRS, we just kept in touch. And, and I feel like there's this magical mutual bilateral um, advice and, and support, but also constructive feedback um, system that we've created where we're just super honest with each other and can challenge each other uh, on certain assumptions or certain business principles, et cetera. So my memory is, if I can sum all that up in one, is a, a random connection uh, said you need to meet this guy. And we did the most natural, authentic, organic evolution of a relationship through both digital phone calls and shared experiences that have led us to now multiple times a week engaging um, in both both of our businesses together. Yeah, and one thing that I always respected and enjoy about talking with you is your knowledge of the digital landscape, digital media in sports, because it is something that I was um, so in deep on, but I also knew that there was flaws in the model. The sports publisher model, the sports media model that we've seen continue to go backwards in the wrong direction. I'm sitting there racking my brain and I'm like, how do you create a company that creates content that doesn't make money via advertising revenue? Because I know where the industry is going and I'm just sitting there and I'm peppering you with questions and thoughts of what's going in my head. What have you seen in, in past things? And And it was a really good sounding board for me because I wanted to get out of the loop that was in my head to say, well, am I seeing things correctly? And I'm a very forward thinking person. So I'm like, all right, well, here's what I see in the industry. And one of the challenges so much about being forward thinking is the rest of the industry may not see it. So it's almost like pushing a rock uphill. So when you're seeing these publishers all over the place, and I'm like, man, this model just doesn't make sense to me. And, and it's what actually allowed me to evolve Bacon Sports from an original sports comedy blog into the sports content studio you see now that specializes in fan engagement and content creation and community building. And you very much were a great sounding board for me. And I respected that from you, but I also respected the way that we built the relationship because you had a success mindset. I knew where you were going, where you wanted to go. And you want to find others on that journey where we could be mutual because you mentioned about how we're candid with each other. And it's such an important thing because we're not romantic about how we get results. We're looking to say, Hey, here's what we're building. What do you see from this? What am I not seeing? Because so often, once again, we're so in deep on something. I'm eight years into this journey where all of a sudden you can, I can ask you one question like, yo, take a look at this based on my experience. And it has helped so much. Man, it's, it's so true that the ability to have a relationship with a um, a colleague, uh, uh, an advisor, uh, a teammate, an employee, a supervisor, where it is open dialogue and you listen and you hear what that person is sharing. Last night, and I know we're going to get into defend a little bit, but really uh, uh, the most important is the first call I made was to a guy named Yukai Chow. Yukai is an absolute expert in human behavior. He has built a gamification framework 
that my company built its entire uh, user experience and user interface specifically on. And I was on a call last night, Yukai's in Taiwan. So it's like 9.30 last night. And Yukai, as I'm walking him through the latest iteration of our platform, is quick to jump in and say, hey, what about this? Hey, I don't like your word selection. And I mean, he goes granular. He's almost pixel level. And, and I remember getting off last night and going, God, I love that guy. And it's because he just made my job harder. He didn't say, that's great. Go for it. He said, here's the five things that my incredible knowledge is identifying that you could do better. And man, that is like that type of relationship is, is golden at times painful, but golden. And that's, uh, I feel like you and I have that, that same type of rapport. And for me, it's really about surrounding myself with people that will challenge those, challenge those assumptions and, and get me to a place that is ideal and better and et cetera. It doesn't mean I always agree. It doesn't mean I make those decisions. Some of the things he said last night, I may have to, you know, determine resource allocation and whether or not I make those changes, but it's, it's really important for anybody who is engaged in any type of, you know, business proposition to find the people that you can count on to challenge you. And it's so important. And it's so rare. And, and that's why a relationship like ours, um, I cherish so much because of that candor, because it is in the name of improvement. It's not in the name of being right. It's in the name of new perspective. What can we be doing better? And that's the thing, always better, better, better. So now yeah. let's get to defend. And there's a lot that we can unpack on this from what it's about, why you created it, who you're launching with from an athlete standpoint, where would you like to kick this off? You know, I mean, I mean, I think at the cornerstone, I'll, I'll just go to, it really encompasses the why, right? And, and this goes deep. This is DNA. You know, I'm a Boston guy. My family is Boston. Um, and, and there's, there's a really cool story. I don't often share, but I'll, I'll share with you. Um, on my 40th birthday, my wife gave me a gift from my mom. She actually gave me 40 gifts for my 40th birthday from 40 friends and family members. It was the coolest birthday of all time. And the gift from my mom was really magical. And it was a letter that I didn't know existed. And it was a letter that she wrote as a teenager to the uh, Boston American League Club, which was obviously the Red Sox. Like it wasn't even addressed to the Red Sox. It was in the 50s, right? And it was in 1952, and she had put a couple of four-leaf clovers that she had found in her yard into an envelope and mailed it to the Red Sox, right? Now, she was already a fan. She was a big Ted Williams fan, and the Red Sox were everything to her, right? So to the point where she did that, she got a letter back from Lou Boudreau on Red Sox letterhead that basically said, thank you so much for the four-leaf clovers, um, I hope this brings us luck in the upcoming season and runs, right? That letter she kept forever until the day she gave it to me for my, through my wife for my 40th birthday. And that type of fandom is so unique and so magical. And for any sports fan, you get it. And, and I think there's obviously hundreds of millions of sports fans whether you're a Barcelona fan or you're a horrible New York Yankee fan, right? Whatever that is, you understand what it means. And you can't really explain fandom. There's no logic behind it. It is this emotional DNA core motivator that really engages you to a team and, and as we've evolved to specific athletes. And it's such a magical place um, in sports because it is, I go back to shared experiences, whether you're watching a game on TV or you're at a game, which is obviously the ultimate, you have a shared experience, not just with the team and the players, but also with, um, with other fans around you and your family, et cetera, whatever shared experience that becomes is what, what it is. So that to me is this unique kind of element and my whole life growing up, man, I mean, I'm, I'm as super fan as you get, right? Like, I mean, I love players and Red Sox, Bruins, Celtics, you know, uh, Patriots. I mean, it's, it's all the way through. 
I absolutely love it. And by the way, shout out to the Celtics for re-signing Taco Fall, my man from UCF. And I love that story because I actually have a similar one. When I was just a little lowercase g living in Pittsburgh, loving all things basketball pre-internet, I wrote the San Antonio Spurs and asked for a David Robinson autograph. I was maybe nine years old. And I probably did this for a handful of teams. And you know what? A couple weeks later, I got a David Robinson signed picture in the mail. And it is something wow. that I have never forgotten. And the core of this is how much we love sports, but it's that connection that we have. We have this deep relationship with players in teams that we think of like they're our friends, that we live and die. We're so all in. I mean, these are some of the deepest relationships. And like you, me being from Pittsburgh, I have a freaking Steelers tattoo. Like, a team I tattooed on my body because they only raise you one way in Pittsburgh. Right. And the, uh, the core elements of this is why I do what I do because my dream was always to work in sports and be creative. So I figured if I create a company where I can do that, I can also share, show others how I did it so they can live their dreams as well. And it is the manifestation of this passion and this authenticity that becomes the opportunity because in this digital world in which we live in right now, it is always on. There's just a, a funnel or a hose of noise, both good and bad at all yeah. times. So anytime any team or player does anything, we are so much further away from your mom sending that four leaf clover and me sending the Spurs a, a picture for David Robinson. Like that was the purest thing, but that's what we as sports fans want more. And I actually believe this is one of the things that defend is addressing. So can you talk a little bit more about how defend is addressing that to allow fans to go deeper in more authentically with the players that they want? Yeah, of course. I mean, look, the, the advent of social media, right, has exploded the technical term direct-to-consumer connectivity for the athlete, right? So what used to be the case is, I mean, you know, my mom would have to send a letter to the Red Sox and listen to the games on the radio, right? Imagine that. And then it became, you might catch one game a week um, on TV or maybe one a year, depending on what, what it was. I mean, I remember I used to see the Pittsburgh Steelers and Dallas Cowboys play more than the Patriots, even though I lived, you know, 20 miles outside of Boston. So, so the, the evolution of sports fandom has changed because of the platforms, the core drive and the motivation and that just feel and that emotion that is so connected is always there. I think it's even amplified where it's now almost a 24 seven experience instead of a, maybe like a, a 23 seven experience, you know? And especially in the off season where you can really stay connected to your favorite teams and your favorite athletes and content is just, you know, totally oversaturated, but really valuable. Um, so what I, what I looked at was in through, this is through years of being part of uh, some really advanced teams, including the Sacramento Kings is we were looking at fandom with an international team, Vlade Divac, Peja Stojakovic, Hito Turkoglu, um, Darius and Gaila had a big fan base and we were, we were looking at how do we take this, uh, fandom that extends outside of our NBA regulated 75 mile marketing radius and extend it. And the only way to do it was digital. And at the time we really had website and these emerging social platforms, right. Including like MySpace, Right. So we started to look at how can we tap into this and create a, an international fan club where people are rewarded and, and it's authentic, it's real, right? And what we what I kept coming back to was just a fan club that you sign up for and you get a King's Foam Finger and, you know, a Slamson uh, mascot plush doll was not going to work. So I started to follow Yukai Chow and understand, and there were some others too, some other gamification experts that I was really studying around human behavior and how that interconnectivity happened. And that's when I started to realize that there is a way to use digital to create this gigantic digital tailgate, right? That we can build these core guild 
team-specific fan bases, organize them, reward them, geofence them if needed, so that they can then have these shared experiences in smaller, more intimate groups and guilds. And as I started to build all this together, and was I was even talking to a social gaming company about integrating their community architecture into the Kings, that's when the Kings became rumored to have been sold to first Anaheim and then Virginia Beach and then Vegas. And we went from progressive fan building mode into, into um, you know, crisis management mode, brand fractured, are the Kings leaving became the only thing anybody cared about. And so all of my effort and all my teams, uh, we went into the, let's make sure that we work specifically on the people in the 916 in Sacramento to make sure that we're not trying to bring other fans in with the team potentially moving on. So that was, um, that has always been in, in the back of my head, this entire gamified fandom system, which started really thinking about for a team, but over the last few years with uh, social media, as I mentioned before, the direct to consumer, the evolution of fandom for Gen Z and millennials has changed right? It isn't about the team anymore. It's really about the athlete because the connection now is deeper. They are relating not just from performance on the court or the field or the ice, they're relating on a lifestyle basis. Wow. This guy plays uh, call of duty. I play call of duty, right? And this guy just posted clips from Fortnite and I play Fortnite, right? This guy is wearing Air Jordans. I love Jordans, right? Like it is a really uh, deeper engagement, but it's now driven instead of by even the team or the media reflecting and being the bridge to the team. It's actually owned now completely by the athletes. And, and that's the evolution. So I took the same framework, the same mindset and said, how do I build the right platform for athletes? And that brings us to today, right? And what we've spent the last couple of years building is the right user experience, a really easy to use, simple design that doesn't compete with their pre-existing powerhouse social networks, Twitter, Instagram, some have Snap, Facebook, YouTube. We don't want to compete with them, right? That's not, that's not what we're doing. We actually want to be the hub and all of those spokes, right? Instagram, YouTube, all that can bilaterally funnel in and out. So if we create experiences inside of a mobile application for an athlete, he can extend that out to his fans on uh, or followers on Instagram or something that occurs on Instagram, we can leverage that to create engagement inside of his personal app for his super fans. So we're, we're really excited about it. We're right on the threshold of launch. And, and we're, we've worked really hard on this and um, yeah, I mean, what more can I, I, I mean, I can, you know, I can go deep. We can go for hours on this. <laughs> yeah. And what I love about this, it is actually a deep dive because you think about when I was growing up, I loved all things Michael Jordan, but I lived through MJ via the games I watched on TV. Yep the USA today where I would go and read the box scores and then the Gatorade commercials or the McDonald's commercials. And there is a distance, but now because of social media, you can see what a player eats or what they're watching or what they're playing. And there's this relatability factor. And for me for the longest time, and I've mentioned this on this podcast numerous times, it has been one of the biggest opportunities in the market that I've seen athletes be very slow to adapt to is yeah. the building of their own brands. I never understood why athletes would, in theory, the old model was let's wait for Gatorade or McDonald's to come to us to sponsor yeah. us. Whereas the new model says, well, wait a second. I am now an asset and a brand and the platforms that I have, I can leverage to build my brand. So for example, I saw that LaMelo ball has more followers than I believe the Charlotte Hornets does. Yeah. And if you think about Lonzo ball, when he went to UCLA, the big noise was, wait a second, this guy has more followers in college than the university basketball program does in the yes. leverage that that creates. So then you start yeah. to say, well, it's not just followers 
viewers now it becomes the multi-channel because some players may only be on Twitter and they may only tweet every now and then. But then you say, well, what about the really forward thinking players and athletes? The ones that say, I'm going to create a YouTube channel. And certainly you're starting to see that uh, Matisse Thibel did it for the 76ers in the bubble. You're starting to see players chase Claypool. Um, so many other of these young stars who are starting to say, here's the opportunity to give you some insight into what's going on in my world. And then you've also got the ones who are in gaming who say, let me jump on Twitch. And totally. what this becomes is the ability to go deeper. And what Defend does is not only is all of these platforms an opportunity to go deeper, but now you've created a hub that says, let me do something for the super fans that say, I'm already on board with everything that you're doing now. I want that next level engagement because I think from my own consumption of mentors, the way that um, the Jesse Itzlers of the world, the Ed Milets, the Andy Frisellas, these these leaders who have taught me digitally and I've learned so much from over the years who have responded to me and or had phone calls with me where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe this person knows who I am or is talking to me or is commenting to me. And it is the exact same feeling that I got when I got the Dennis, the David Robinson signed photo, sure. except it's real time now and it's repeatable. So do you want to talk about who you're launching this with or what do you want to go with next? Well, I think, um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look, I don't, I don't want to bury headlines. Right. So, um, two things occurred when I decided, um, after I exited, uh, FRS sports, which had previously been Fanrag, and I decided I'm, I'm starting this, I'm going to do this. Right. I was been thinking about it for too long. Um, and I just said, I'm going to do this. So created defend the first outreach that I needed to, to move it forward was to get Yukai. So I, I did not know Yukai. I had, you know, fanboyed Yukai. And I said, I'm good at this because I've learned from Yukai. But if I really want to do this, I need him. So I got in touch with Yukai. And within 30 minutes of the first call, for a guy who believes in gamifying life, because it will actually change the output of people's work and people's happiness quotient, uh, he got it instantly and went, I want to work with you. And then the next 30 minute call was to map out the, the deal structure. And now, like I said, I mean, now for whatever it is, 18 months, we have been ingrained and I talked to him as much as possible because he is brilliant. So that gave me the framework that I could construct the organic fandom experience. And the theory behind this is we can take this template copy, but then customize it, right? So there's a lot of stuff, no matter what you build from social architecture, community architecture, content architecture, and then our experiential architecture, that's really gonna be the same, no matter what athlete or band or influencer or whatever, is always gonna be the same. So once we got that done and it's got some modular features to it, we know that we can scale. So it becomes a viable business. The next thing I needed was I needed to find that younger demographic, heavily followed, but also heavily engaged athlete that cared about his fan base, that had multiple interests, and would be able to engage even in the off season and do some things that his fans would like. So I was really searching for that. Um, we went down the road with an NBA uh, player's agent. Um, it didn't work out. Um, and in the meantime, we had been working on uh, network using our network to find that first athlete. So Paige went to college. Paige, Paige Demakos is the uh, CEO of the Draft Network and has been part of this since the beginning. Um, she went to college with the CEO of Open Doors, Blake Lawrence. They have been close friends since college. Blake is brilliant. Him and his partner, Adi, have created an amazing platform that bridges the gap between athletes and brands. They're now working on the name image likeness uh, opportunity. And in our conversations, as I shared and Paige and I shared the what Defend was going to be about, he said, 
you, you don't need to go to Tom Brady or Rob Gronkowski as a Patriot fan. Obviously at the time, those would have been two great guys. And he said, I got the guy. And he said, I know him. He's great. I know his team. He's got a small team. They're trusted and he does not do things the normal way. And that is Juju Smith-Schuster on the Steelers. So if you go back a year and a half, Juju um, was, you know, just came off uh, a Pro Bowl season and was really engaged. I think he was about 1.5 to 1.7 million on Instagram when we first had conversations with him. And in the, in the initial conversation uh, with his team, they said we were already talking about building an app for two reasons. Number one is we want to be able to create, as Juju's a big gamer, we want to be able to create some really cool micro games that he can engage in. And number two, there's this really harrowing, devastating, dysfunctional aspect of social, and that is the haters, bullies, bots, and trolls. And there's no solution. There's the Instagram can put blocks and reporting and all that. But the destruction of any type of conversation and comment sections is always going to uh, prohibit any type of longer form engagement. Um, there's just too many, too many opportunities for hijackers and bullies and trolls and even bots to, to, to take it away. So they were really excited about the community architecture that we're building so that we could create an experience for the super fans to come in and have a safe haven, not just for the fans, but for the athlete as well, to engage and to do things that matter. Juju posted a picture. It's one of the things that's actually in like, like the presentation deck that I, that I used. Posted a picture when he was recruiting LeBron to come to LA. And he, he wore like a, somebody had done a mock-up of a Lakers football jersey, right? And he put that up. And if you read the comment section, right, it goes political. And you get to a point where some dude is like, Juju, the only thing in life I want is for you to tear your ACL. Like, who says that? Right. But there's enough people that did. And and that was for for any athlete. I think they're looking for that um, organic like experience that isn't hijacked by bullies, bots and trolls. Right. And that to me was a real valuable selling point. So you've got new experiences that we can customize and create. And you've got a community that is uninterrupted by bullies, bots, and trolls. If you start with that and then create inside of that, this long-term relationship. So as Juju's career evolves, right? The moment Instagram or Twitter or someone changes their, um, changes their algorithm, his fan relationships change. But if he owns the data, if he owns the monetization capabilities, and we're not competing with the big social media thing, uh, platforms, then, then we are in a really valuable position for that athlete to both engage, to immerse, and to monetize their super fan base in a way that's positive for everybody. So, so we're, we're fired up. I mean, you can't ask for a better guy than Juju. He's, he's a gamer. He's a streamer. He's a TikTok dancer. He's an incredible football player who does all the dirty work. Right. He is he he's not getting the uh, the, you know, hundred yard games, but those key third downs, those big plays, the blocks that they need. The kid is doing everything. And he just turned 24. He's now I mentioned when we first started talking one point seven on Instagram, he's at three point three million. And and to have that type of guy that gets this inside and out that relates and reflects with Gen Z and millennials for this new fandom experience. I couldn't ask for a better partner. He's, he's fantastic. He is the number one. And I had talked about him for years as the example of the athlete who gets the new way that brand building is done because he was building a YouTube channel because he was yeah. on Twitch with Ninja and Drake streaming games. And I can actually remember the exact moment where I took note of Juju. And it was when the Steelers drafted him in the second round. And on Instagram, he had this picture that was created that was 
him in half a UF USC jersey and half of a Steelers jersey. And immediately I was like, who in the world is in charge of this guy's marketing? Like yeah. he was just drafted 10 minutes ago and there was one of the coolest images I had ever seen. And it was upon that moment that I took notice of this guy because he was doing things differently. And Juju is the perfect person for this because you want to deep dive into his world because you think about when Juju first came to the Steelers, he has always had a story around him. First, it was Juju's bike. What happened to it? Who stole yes. it? And then his dog, Bougie. And then his performance on the field. He's just incredible. And now he's the veteran leader of the, as we speak right now, 10 and 0 Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> right. Yeah. But he, he is... Um, his experience and knowledge supersedes his age. Like I I've noticed as a Steelers fan, the way that he is bigger and tougher and grittier, and he's doing the things that are about winning. So yeah, not only is his yeah. brand just about uh, on the field success. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better team for him to be on to help right. mold him to who he is. But digitally, he's fun. And, and I know one of the, the potential backlashes that he receives, and as a Steelers fan, I see all things Juju, all things Steelers, is Yinzers out there. Even when the Steelers are 10 and 0, they're going to tell us everything wrong with the Steelers. Oh my God, why didn't they score 50 points sure. against Jacksonville? And there is always this undercurrent of what's going on in with Juju because he's such a public facing person when he's dancing on TikTok in the event that the Steelers lose Yindros come out of everywhere saying what in the world is going on with him. Get rid of this guy. He's a prima donna, all of these things. And for me, it is such regressive thinking because these people don't understand what brand building is that they expect an athlete to live in a silo that they live and die yeah. by the wins and losses like we do. And if the Steelers were to lose a game, then that means that Juju or any player is not allowed to leave their house. They're not allowed to post on social media. The only yeah. thing that we can see is them being in uh, the Steelers complex working on football. But the fact of the matter is that is not the way that brand building works right now. That is not the way relationships work right now, because what we as fans want is we want to get down with you, live or die, no matter what happens. And you're allowed to be happy when a loss happens. It doesn't mean that you don't want more, that you're not going to improve, that there's this lack of focus, but it is the digital noise that comes in where I always say this to the companies that I work with on the consulting side or the coaching side that I say, remember, there is a silent, silent minority, no, a silent majority and a vocal minority. And what that means is, in a podcast or in a video, the majority of the people, they're never going to say anything. That can be 80, 90% of your audience. And you sit there and you're like, man, does anybody care about what I'm creating? No one's saying anything. And you have this vocal minority that, uh, and I've even noticed this recently with my own Twitter on the sports betting side, where people are thanking me saying, Rob, thank you for your positivity in sports betting. It's a shining light in my day. And never in my life would I have thought that my brand of team good vibes would blend into the people who are listening to the sports betting side of things. But the same can actually be said on the flip side for someone like Juju or these athletes where they see him dancing. And then next thing you know, on 93.7, the fan is Juju's dancing uh, causing a rift in the locker room between the veteran leadership. And you're like, wait, what? in the way that this negativity can be exploited because you only need one little piece of negativity for the noise just to go out and everybody loves to jump on things because remember negativity spreads seven times faster than positivity does. That's why this vocal minority, when you hear it all of a sudden has such a big impact because guess what? Now all of a sudden the aggregators are going to retweet all of this different stuff. And the next thing you know, Skip Bayless is talking about this different stuff and you're like, well, wait a second. Are we really, Really talking about an athlete on TikTok having a good time and how that affects things and how that just doesn't make sense. So all of this goes back to why Defend exists in the first place. Because in you and I working together, and one of the things that makes me smile is 
uh, I have somehow found a way to design a life where someone thinks my knowledge of the Pittsburgh Steelers, the digital world in fan <laughs> engagement is a valuable thing when you say, Rob, I need to talk to you on a consistent basis. But here we are, because what we really want and what we're doing is creating an opportunity for the super fans that say, you know what? I love Team Juju. I love everything that he's doing. I want to go deeper on this because you know what the brands and companies and most athletes out there aren't doing? They're not giving you that opportunity to go deeper. And right now, and certainly in this digital world that we live in with the pandemic going on, the real opportunity is personalization, shared experiences, going deeper, exclusive access. Give me the things that the rest of the world is too lazy or too scared or not forward thinking enough to do because the companies and the teams and the leagues and the players that do this, they are going to be the ones that win. They're going to win today, but guess when they're really going to win when they're building this brand one year, three years, five years, 10 years from now. It's why you and I even started talking in the first place because of the way that we saw where things were going and this is where fan engagement is going. I, I totally agree. I mean, there's a lot um, of truth in what you just shared. And one of them regarding Juju as uh, someone who understands building a brand, that comprehension is actually organic. Um, Juju's a really good dude. Um, he has been raised right. He has um, learned humility, even though you look and you see him TikTok dancing, what anybody that follows him realizes is he's very self-effacing. He's very self-critical. Um, he really, if you watched him this off season, he had a nutritionist, he had uh, a uh, performance, um, meaning a, a physical trainer, a personal trainer. And he got into the best physical condition of his life, which was only better than last year. Even though he had a tough year last year, he was in great shape. And the year before that, he was in almost as good a shape. So he's getting better every year as a football player. He, he is aware of quote unquote brand building, but it's not like a systematic architecture. What he knows is I care about the fans. So if you think about what he has done, I mean, he, he has physically missed and emotionally missed the ability to have his second annual largest water balloon fight at a park in Pittsburgh. My, my best example of why, and this is before we partnered and, and formalized our agreement. I was at a bakery on Carson street in, in Pittsburgh with him. And it was about 10 30 in the morning. So there was no lunch crowd and the breakfast crowd was long gone. So it's literally me, Juju and his right-hand man, Gil. Three of us are sitting there engage talking about defend and literally I'm speaking right me I am talking to Juju and the manager of either the building or the bakery sees him and is out of his mind right oh my god Juju hey how you doing right totally interrupts me right but it didn't matter and I've been around athletes my whole life on teams traveling with the team seeing how they interact and and I watched as Juju kind of said to me, hey, hold on a sec, and got up, shook the guy's hand, asked him his name, and didn't wait for him to say, can I take a picture? Said, do you want to get a picture? The guy fumbles his phone out of his pocket, opens the camera, and I said, oh, you know, I'll take it for you. Took a photo. Juju spent a solid minute, minute and a half, appreciated his fandom, appreciated him being a longtime Steelers fan, thanked him, and, and then that guy had his moment, and he moved on. Now, you can't do that. I mean, you know, the last dance is a perfect example of you get to a level where you can't spend a minute with every single one of your fans because times 10 million, like Michael Jordan, you, you don't have 10 million minutes. But what was unique to me was I saw that he cared. He literally cares about not just having fans, but engaging with them. And I knew at that moment that we were going to partner and work really, really well together to change the, and really take fandom to that next level. And, and that's why it's been a lot of fun, a lot of hard work, but a lot of fun working on the user experience for fans to engage with Juju, not just what we're coming out of the gate with and our MVP, our minimal viable product, but really what's on that product roadmap moving forward that you know 10 years from now, 
Hopefully Juju is still playing. Hopefully he's still playing in Pittsburgh. Hopefully he's, you know, bougie is still as funny as he is. And, and all of that engagement continues. But I also look at 20 years down the road and he's long since retired, right? But he's still probably gaming. And maybe he's picked up some other hobby or maybe he's doing something else with, his, with a new career. And if you've established this relationship with your fan base, then you have this longtime digital headquarters that you can always fall back on. And that to me is what has been missing for athletes who played 10, 12, 15 years ago that were icons when they played, but have since faded from the public eye because a retired guy from 10 years ago jumping on Instagram seems inauthentic. Whereas if you built it, it's completely authentic. And that's what I'm trying to do for Juju first. And then the next athletes and icons that we're talking to right now, how can we positively impact them today and moving forward. And I say this in brand building all the time. There's two quotes. Everything you do is reflective of your brand. Every single yeah. touch point. Also, everything you do is an opportunity to create a positive brand interaction. And yep. Juju took that opportunity in that one minute to make that person's day. And you don't have to be Juju Smith-Schuster in order to do this. This is something that relates to us as personal brands or people who run companies listening to this right now. This is where you are going to win. It is actually the inefficiency. As you said, you become Michael Jordan. You can't do that to everyone. But guess what? You can do that for those people in those minutes or those moments right there. And then you think about this in the digital world. And here's the simplest action item I can give that is an absolute game changer. Send personalized videos to people in DMs. When you want to connect with someone, boom, send them a video of you. You can either slide into their DMs or just do it as a regular tweet or an Instagram. Or if you are a company, if you're an athlete, if you're an influencer or a celebrity, could you imagine if there was an athlete out there that said, on every Friday, it's Fan Friday, and I'm going to spend the next hour responding with a video to every single person for one hour that sends me a message or does a certain thing. And they did yeah. that every Friday for a year, for two years, for five years, to where all of a sudden there are 10,000 people who have received a video from this athlete you know how many people that guy showed that picture to? You know how many times he has told that story? You know how big that fish is that that guy just talked about where him and Juju pretty much did an end zone celebration dance together? And that is the holy grail of marketing. It is word of mouth because right now everything has become a commodity. You can buy anything from anywhere at any time. So what is going to differentiate one brand from another? It is actually going to be the things that say, what can I do to make you look forward to hearing back from you again? And that becomes creating value in positive brand interactions because that's what you do. You then tell others about that experience because that's what we love. And Craig, as we're going to wrap this up, I think there's one thing that I really love about Defend and, and I was there on the beta side of things and I'm going through this with you. So I'm seeing this as this is built is there is this, AR experience that I had never experienced before in my life that I loved how forward thinking it was. And when I saw that, even for me as someone who's auditing the landscape of what's out there, I have never before seen this anywhere. Can you give a quick little insight on yeah, what exactly that is? Look, it is, it, technology is magical, right? And it, it's doing a lot of incredible positive things. Think about how we're communicating right now with really high quality audio and video on, uh, on Zoom, right? But there is next gen tech that's out there and people have seen it now for, for years with Pokemon Go and the ability to um, to um, the, the theory and the why for Pokemon was uh, the founder saw his kids on the couch and just wanted them to get up and move, right? So as technology has advanced and we're able to uh, take some of that tech and build it and customize it ourselves, I looked at that and said, imagine if you could give that to a hyper-engaged athlete to help drive people to locations, right? 
and to use that both in an entertainment standpoint, but also educational, right? And what we did was, so think of it as what we started with was a Juju-based Pokemon Go. In fact, in that same bakery, one of the coolest things, and I know you've, you've seen it a bunch of times, is when I got to show the beta version of, of the Pokemon Juju or Poke Juju version um, to him when he found his first mystery locker in his favorite bakery on Carson Street. And, and his face showed everything as just a user and someone who is going to engage with the platform and the app. So, so that to me was uh, validation on what we had built. So what we have is really now because uh, two parts of the AR experience. Part number one, which in essence is on the back burner until it's safe to really go out and engage and drive mass people to a specific geolocation to find a Juju mystery locker. Um, we, have, we had to go back and restructure it and build the second phase of that which is a, from the, from your comfort of your own couch or your office or wherever, the ability to pinch zoom a map and go on a geo search across a, a map. So we've got this ability to engage people, drive people to a geolocation, both authentically in person and from the comfort of their own couch with a significant earned reward system. If you find this location, then you will now find a mystery locker from Juju that con contains digital collectibles. It contains offers. There's really cool things that will include like VIP meet and greets with Juju. It might be a, a Zoom, ask me anything. Um, we've got all kinds, might be playing squads with him on Twitch for a half hour. All these cool engagements that are earned instead of just randomly given out. So we're changing the game for uh, Juju to engage with his fans, to create these micro activities where people can go find, for example, uh, you know, we would have uh, right inside the app, we're now 10 and 0, Juju drops in Jville. So you got to go find in Jacksonville where the geo drop is. And obviously it would probably be on the 50 yard line of the, uh, of the football field in Jacksonville. So, so we've got all of these geo drop opportunities um, on top of it, as we launch and deploy the app, his brands were already engaged with his brands to create these earned experiences. And if I, if I can just share like an example of what it could be like, think about Pizza Hut and we, we have, we have not built this yet, but this is one of my goals, right? He, Pizza Hut is a great sponsor for him. Pizza Hut wants to sell pizza, right? They also want to engage from a brand building standpoint. So they've engaged with Juju in the past to do things like post a pizza emoji in the comment section, five lucky winners will win pizza for the year, right? Something like that. So the problem with that is Pizza Hut gets their social um, brand uh, recognition. So they get to push that out. They get their product placement. Juju's promoting and validating Pizza Hut. But the experience for the fan kind of sucks, right? Because let's say 50,000 people post the pizza emoji in the comment section, 49,995 lost and go, why did I waste my time? Whereas five lucky winners are like, great, right? But you only get virality of those five winners who posted, you know, onto their social, which may or may not have impact. Whereas if we can take the exact same promotion and say, we just drop mystery lockers on top of every Pizza Hut in Pittsburgh, go find them. And now people collect digital collectibles from Juju, so they win. They collect potential to play squads with him on Twitch, they win. They get a $5 carryout pizza coupon, Pizza Hut wins, that person wins, right? Somebody wins pizza for the year, they win. Somebody wins a pizza uh, party with Juju at a Pizza Hut of their choice uh, when COVID uh, allows us, you know, is gone and we can go back to normal. So there's these next level brand activations that we're off the charts excited about that gives the brands the exact same exposure, but with a win state instead of a lose state. And that to me is going to amplify and really create a different set of immersive content that, um, that really will help drive 
super fans uh, for Juju into the app and to stay on the app. Absolutely love that. Sign me up for all of those things because that makes complete sense and it's a win-win for everybody. You're in. You're in, Rob. You're in. Craig, as we wrap this up, um, I want to have you do an ask. Is there anyone that you would like to connect with that is listening to this or watching this right now that you say, if you do X, Y, and Z, I would love to talk to you. If you know someone that does X, Y, and Z, uh, I would like to talk to you. Where can people also download all of this? Sort of give your ask right now because I loved every second of this. I love working with you. So uh, certainly I'm a testimonial of you're the type of person that you want to be in your world. And obviously being a Steelers fan, I literally couldn't think of a thing I would rather be a part of, but also from a marketer, this is, this is marketing one-on-one and community building one-on-one for me. So give your ask on how people can connect with you or who you'd like to connect with. Yeah. Um, so the, that ask is going to go maybe into like three asks, right? So, but I'm going to keep it. it short, right? So number one is if you're, if you're a brand that is in the creative field, that is uh, deep within um, uh, marketing and your customer base is Gen Z and millennials, I'm really interested in having a conversation with you about how we can work together to implement you into the Team Juju app, right? And apps moving forward. So think of it as uh, mobile apps that do really cool photo effects, right? Or even AI video, right? Because knowing Juju, he wants people to do fan art, right? So that is a biz dev thing that we're working on. That's number one. Number two, athletes, icons, influencers, celebrities who have great engagement with their fans are tired of the fractured fandom, this, this bully, bot, and troll toxic atmosphere in the comments section, but also are in a position where they can't give up Instagram and Twitter, right? Because they're too valuable to them to grow their fan base, right? I think it would be worth exploring what we have to offer and to, and to think about leveraging these new experiences to amplify your brand activations, but more importantly, to really set up a digital headquarters for a lifelong um, engagement with your super fans. And then the last part of that is, um, is there's a couple like influencers that I think I could really help. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shout out uh, one of them that I'm thinking a lot about. I have zero connectivity to. Uh, the influencer, Mr. Beast, right? Mr. Beast is doing so much good with his YouTube crazy, like positive stunts. I, I follow him and amazed at the creativity that they do, the incredible production, and more importantly, the ethos that his company is built on to me would be amazing to work with him to leverage our platform to help gamify his super fans and to take their uh, their their give back to communities to an entirely new level. So I'm calling out Mr. Beast. If anybody knows how to engage with Mr. Beast, I would love that introduction. And you can find me the best way business-wise is LinkedIn. Rob, you know that. Craig Amazine on LinkedIn. And where can people download the app? So you can go into either mobile store. The app will be Team Juju. Um, so you're going to search for Team Juju uh, app and you will recognize it instantly because it is one smiling Juju face as the app icon. You can also go to defendnetwork.com uh, and it's defendnetwork.com. Uh, uh, and that is our landing page for a website that can guide you into whichever you know, app store you need to get to. And I want to hear from you about this episode because holy smokes, Batman, did we cover a lot of amazing things from relationship building to forward thinking, digital strategy and community architecture and next level fan engagement in the future yeah. of athlete and brand building. What, what was on your mind? What did you think about this? Um, hit me up on all social media platforms at Rob Cressy, certainly LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, also hit me up at Bacon Sports because the way that Craig and I connected in the first place was we spoke the same language of fan engagement, content creation, and love of sports. And that's what we do. So baconsports.com. And Craig, I'm looking forward to future conversations. There is likely a podcast series on the horizon between you and I where we're actually going to break down 
fan engagement sure. and the different elements of it and the ways that it can help people build their brands, including deeper communities. Absolutely. Look, I think the world is open source. And if there's things that I can share uh, around the fandom experience and how to build brands and how to inspire others to, you know, especially in the startup space. I mean, I'm a late startup entrepreneur for sure. I was in sports corporate for a long time. And I got to tell you, it's, it's the most harrowing and the most rewarding uh, environment you can be in. It's not for everybody, but there's definitely some things I think that we could probably share. So yeah, I think we should probably explore and maybe pending some of the feedback you get on this podcast, if people would be interested in uh, hearing kind of a deeper dive into very specific fandom related uh, content. Yeah. So let us know, would you be interested in a deeper dive? Because we will create it. Maybe that was money. If you enjoyed this, then you'll want to head over to my YouTube channel and subscribe. Just search Rob Cressy. On there, I drop more nuggets of marketing mindset and personal development wisdom that will help you on your journey.